Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 205 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew this week. First off, the owner of Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Going well, Seth. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. Still getting over this infinite cold that I feel like I've had forever, but I'm feeling better getting there. Excited to talk about some new magic cards. We have so many spoilers, but before we get into that, we also have Krim with us today. How's it going, Krim? Hey, how's it going, Seth? Uh, do, doing all right. Doing all right. <laughs> I've been uh, excited to yeah. see all the new things coming out this week. So, since last week, we have hit the official start of Ravnica Legion spoiler season, which means we have like an infinite number of cards to talk about today. So, we're going to spend pretty much the entire cast talking about spoilers, new Ravnica Allegiance cards, and then hopefully hit up some fish mail at the end. So, that's the plan for today. Before we jump into it, we have a new sponsor for today's for today's cast, which is Tigtoad. So, uh, a hero's quest begins with a first simple quest, and then it's followed by another slightly more complicated quest. Some might want or even need some additional information, but our hero needs only to know that it is a quest, and soon you will know his name, for he is Tigtone, a new gorgeously animated weird show from Adult Swim. Tigtone, the quest begins January 13th at midnight, only on Adult Swim. So I'm actually kind of excited by this. I used to really like some Adult Swim shows. I don't watch it nearly as much as I used to. The the one show that I still watch from Adult Swim regularly is Rick and Morty, which I think is good. But man, some of the yeah. old shows, like Home Movies is one of my favorite animated shows of all time. Sea uh, Lab. I don't know if any of you guys have seen those, but for me, those are like animated classics at this point. So I think it's pretty cool. Uh, so check out Tigtone. Hopefully it's a super sweet new show on Adult Swim. So thank you to Adult Swim and Tigtone for supporting the show. And with that out of the way, let's talk about some spoilers. So Richard, you have our massive list of Ravnica Allegiance cards. Why don't you walk us through some sweet spoilers? All right. Pacing, pacing. Every, <laughs> every spoiler season, we... We either have too many spoilers or not enough spoilers. With Watsy needs to, you know, hit the sweet spot. <laughs> Today is the day where we have like a million characters to talk about that uh, we all know and love and we can't leave out. So might be a long podcast, but we're going to start with the Planeswalkers we got since last week. We have Domri Chaos Bringer, four red and a green, starts at five loyalty. Plus one, add a red or green. If that mana is spent on a creature spell, it gains Riot. Minus three, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal up to two creature cards from among them and put them into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Minus eight, you get an emblem with at the beginning of each end step, create a 4-4 red and green beast creature token with Trample. I mean... It's about what I was thinking with Damri. Like, it's definitely a creature-focused Planeswalker. I think it could actually be pretty good in Standard. I think the scariest part of this card for me is actually the plus one. Uh, Raya is a pretty scary ability, and Damri, at four mana, it happens to light up right on curve, where if you play Damri on turn four, untap turn five, plus, and you have, like, a hasty Carnage Tyrant, which is really <laughs> scary if you're playing some sort of, like, 
mid-rangey, I don't know, Jonder Gruel style deck. So, uh, yeah, I think this card it has a lot of loyalty. It has a lot of upside if you're playing a creature-heavy deck, and it's probably going to be pretty good. Yeah, I, 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 that's exactly what I was thinking. I was worried about. Oh, this Carnage Tyrant really need Riot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four mana, five loyalty is a lot. And I, I guess the question to me is, will there be a Gruel deck? Probably. And how many of your cards already have Riot? Like, will they make a better Carnage Tyrant? Like, what if there's a Carnage Tyrant with Riot built in? So if all your creatures have Riot, then the plus one kind of is meh. However, though, uh, Riot actually stacks. That was something that was just confirmed on Twitter. So you actually would still... You would Riot twice, basically. Yeah. Yep. How... What... I don't know. With, with this move to like the non trigger, it just comes into. So, so you can give, if you have a double stacked riot, you can go plus one, plus one, and haste. Yep. Yes, or double plus one, plus one, or whatever. Yeah. Or double haste if you want to. Yeah. In your opponent. Like it's. Or like Carnage Tyrant. That, <laughs> double haste. That's actually especially relevant with an enchantment that we probably won't talk about today, but like the Fires of Yavmaya, what is it? Rhythm of Savagery, uh, I think yep. it is. Because you can stack up all four of those on the battlefield, and then each of your creatures is going to have like x4 riot which is just absolutely absurd all right maybe maybe a planeswalker crim will will will, will care about here dovin grand arbiter one white and a blue three loyalty plus one until end of turn whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player put a loyalty counter on dovin minus one create a plus one uh, create a one one colorless lopter artifact creature token with flying you gain one life minus seven Look at the top 10 cards of your library, put three of them in your hand, the rest at the bottom in a random order. <laughs> Take it back, Krim doesn't care. Combat-based <laughs> combat Azorius Planeswalker. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about this card, to be honest with you. I've been trying to look into the <laughs> three mana Planeswalkers, and this one is, like, I guess better than the other for me, but I, I just, like, I, I don't really like Dovin, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know, it's it's a weird read. It's definitely not what I was expecting. I was expecting, based on our first Dovin, like a, kind of a control deck style of Planeswalker, and Dovin, it's really like a creature deck style Planeswalker. I guess you could play it in control, like if you just negative one three times, you kind of build a really slow spectral procession <laughs> and gain a little bit of life, but I, I think where I've seen people talking about this, where it might actually be good, is some sort of like blue-white flyer style deck, almost like the mono blue tempo deck splashing into white for Dovin and maybe some additional like removal or sideboard cards. Uh, in a deck like that, you get in with a bunch of evasive creatures, you're going to get loyalty really quickly, and then you're doing like the super dig through time. So maybe there's, maybe there's a home for it. I kind of also like the artifact synergies, like curving Dovin into Karn into Tezzeret seems like a reasonable like artifact super friend idea. So it's not what I expected, but I'm coming around on Dovin. Maybe being good would bant tokens right. want to play this Ooh, that's yeah, yeah that's another possibility i was thinking like we have a bunch of token decks in standard uh green white and you can go bant and is this like the old gideon like the gideon no one played where you can just get a bunch of loyalty uh so if you go like turn one legion's landing turn two raise the alarm turn three uh dovin attack and if your opponent 
can't do anything. Next turn, you can ultimate Dovin, and you probably win by drawing three cards off your top ten. So maybe, and if you're if you're not crazy behind, you just make Thopters, and then Venerated locks it on and stuff. So I don't know. I think he could be good. I I think he's not the control Dovin you're looking at. But in a tempo deck or in a tokens deck, like maybe he does something useful. Although it like the thing that scares me is it reminds me a little bit of of bad Jace, the three mana Jace <laughs> that kind of needed creatures to deal damage to do anything. That's the part yep. that makes me a little no, bit nervous. No, 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 no. He's not bad Jace. He's better than bad Jace. <laughs> All right, another three mana planeswalker. We have Kaya Orzov Usurper, one white and a black, three loyalty. Plus one, exile up to two target cards from a single graveyard. You gain two life if at least one creature card was exiled this way. Minus one, exile target non-land permanent with converted mana cost one or less. Minus five, Kaya deals damage to target player equal to the number of cards that player owns in exile, and you gain that much life. Mm. To me, this is one of the weirdest Planeswalkers that I think that we've ever seen. It's it's the first Planeswalker that I can think of that feels like it's like a sideboard card. Like, it feels like you play this as like a <laughs> utility sideboard card for graveyard hate and for like the isolate effect. So it's... Uh, it's hard to wrap my mind around it because you're used to like having planeswalkers be these four of you build your deck around them like threats but this is more like uh, it seems like it can exile some arclight phoenixes from the graveyard in the right matchup or maybe you kill a fanatical firebrand but I, I don't know it is a weird weird planeswalker there's like modern I guess playability to some people I read I read online about how playing like Esper Mill could be a thing because <laughs> then you have how like about, the old how about vintage where it snipes mocks and, and stuff like that I actually think yeah. this is a planeswalker that maybe gets better in older formats like the abilities seem more relevant in older formats than they do in standard yep yeah like I was trying to break this in commander I'm like it's like so so bad because you're like okay if I have a doubling season you can just come in an ultimate right so then you just relic a progenitus someone or like ley line someone and do this but then I'm like you have to get 40 cards in the graveyard before you can one shot them like how <laughs> and like, have doubling season. doubling season what kind of planeswalker doesn't work with doubling season exactly right? I think even bad Jace <laughs> bad Jace works with doubling bad Jace season. becomes alright Jace <laughs> No, you just get infinite bad Jaces, I think. I don't know if that makes a better, like, more of something that's bad. I don't know if that's good, but... That's a lot of tutus, Seth. <laughs> that's, that's true, that's true. <laughs> All right, next up, we have Prime Speaker Vanifar. Two green and a blue, two four, legendary creature, Elf Ooze Wizard. Tap it, sacrifice another creature... <laughs> Search your library for a creature with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. Put that card on the battlefield. Shuffle your library. Activate this anytime uh, you could cast a sorcery. Basically, tap and birthing pod. <laughs> yep. Oscar. Elsie's wizard. Busted. <laughs> I I think it's gonna be good. I think this is gonna be a good card for sure. I mean, I just more so love the way they've done their creature types this set. So, <laughs> like, how is she an ooze in any way here? Like, what what is the ooze? For her, her like weird, her arms? slimy arms, like the glowy arms. 
Those right? would be ooze arms, yeah. I guess so. those are probably ooze arms. And the then her, doesn't like, even have arms? Scavenging ooze doesn't have arms, does it? No, but this remember, that wasn't an elf ooze wizard. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, as far as as far as actual play, I'm mostly excited for this in modern, where you have a lot of the same old birthing pod loops that work with Prime Speaker, so it's super easy to build a deck where if you untap with Prime Speaker and like even just a Birds of Paradise, a one drop on the battlefield, you just win the game that turn by assembling combos. So. It'll be interesting to see if it's good enough. Like, you can play it quickly off your mana dorks, have it come down on, like, turn three, maybe. The problem is it does die to removal. Is that going to be too much of a sticking point? Like, are you just never going to untap with it? It dodges Lightning Bolt, which is something. But you can definitely build Birthing uh, birthing Pod-style combo decks for Modern, where Prime Speaker, untap with it, just, like, sacrifice, untap it, sack, untap it, sack, untap it, assemble Kiki-Jiki, Restoration Angel, or whatever, and win the game. Yeah, that's... What were the old pod decks they're like naya right there was there was a bunch of different versions over yeah, the course i remember of them mostly being abzan i think right? abzan was like abzan. the last oh version. abzan yeah yeah yeah. Abz- yeah so you have to put blue in here it dies to removal uh it's legendary i don't know if that matters but uh, on the other side you could also tutor it out right like you could cord out your prime speaker you could eldritch evolution uh, yeah, you can you can there's a bunch of ways to get it out. So I'm not sure where it falls. And the question is, is Birthing Pod good enough for modern still? Because <laughs> Birthing Pod was in a different era of modern, right? So it's very interesting. But it's interesting that they're like, we're banning Birthing Pod, it limits our design space, and they're like, here, have another Birthing Pod. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm. So I guess they feel the dies to Doomblade is strong enough to keep this card in check. Yeah, making it inter- like you can interact with it with just like basic removal, like dismember or anything like that. And I think what about standard? It- Do you guys think we're gonna we see a lot of Prime Speaker in standard? I think I like it more in standard, <laughs> to be honest with you, because <laughs> it seems like it's more likely to survive. It also seems a lot less game winning. Like I'm just I'm not sure what the I found like a. <laughs> a dinosaur-based loop, which is really janky that could technically would do the game, but (laughs) there's not too many just, like, (laughs) loops where you untap with Prime Speaker and win in standard. There's not many untap effects. So I guess you could play it for value, which is something, but, yeah, I don't don't know. I'm more excited about it for modern, so interesting. We'll have to have a you can build the best Prime Speaker standard deck, I'll build the best modern deck, and then we'll play and see who wins. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> that 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 sounds like it'll be a blast for one yes, person. I will be having so much fun. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> All right, next up we have Rakdos, the showstopper, four black and red. <laughs> six six, legendary creature demon, flying trample. When Rakdos enters the battlefield, flip a coin for each creature that isn't a demon, devil, or imp. Oh, just flip a coin, period. <laughs> Destroy each creature whose coin comes up tails. I expected different templating. <laughs> Demon, <laughs> devil, or imp tribal. Here we go. <laughs> Did they just make this card to have good moments on, on Twitch? That's that's what this feels. This feels like a Hearthstone <laughs> card where they like they were watching like those Hearthstone meme videos where random stuff happens and they probably had like a ton of views and they're like, We gotta we gotta figure out a way to do this on Magic Arena. <laughs> I, I I can see why you would think that, but I, I don't know. I mean <laughs> I like this card. I, I just like it because of the name, mostly. And also, like, this... It's a 6-6 six, six Flample, if you would, for <laughs> for six mana. 
And I, I don't know. I mean, I like the ability. It gives me a shot at killing a ton of things on board and it's a lot of meme value. <laughs> so <laughs> is that a bad thing that it is? A no, meme? I, I don't even or, know. I mean, if like, it's like the variance part bothers me a little bit. Like, I don't know if I like that part, but I don't think the meme aspect is, is a bad thing necessarily. If I'm going to put my fate in the hands of RNG, it needs to be better. Like, it's like a six meta six, six, which you might stabilize the board. And I feel like we've gotten a lot better 6-6 six, six flying trample creatures, like, more aggressively costed. Well, so I, I don't know if it's meme enough, right? Like, <laughs> it needs to meme harder. Really? Like, may, maybe if it was, like, a single flip and you wrath the whole board, because, I, I don't know, like, I don't know, man. Like, they have, like, six creatures and you rat, you kill two of them, and you're like, oh, okay, and you still die. You also kill the wrong ones. <laughs> but yeah, but then the wrong, you, you kill the ones with, like, undying and persist or whatever <laughs> that have ETBs that kill you. <laughs> And you're like, oh, okay, Twitch highlight, boom. It's it's <laughs> it is worth pointing out though that we have some good demons now. We have like Spawn of Mayhem, which we'll talk about in a minute. We have Doom Whisperer. We have Demon Lord Belzenlock. So I don't think it's impossible that you can build this. So it's just kind of all upside. Like you play this and kill half of your opponent's creatures and don't do anything to your creatures. So I think maybe that's where Rakdos is good. Or if you play it in, in a relatively creature-free deck, like some sort of Jund control planeswalker deck where this is just like a, a kill two or three creatures most likely when it enters the battlefield and doesn't really do anything to your battlefield it could it could work in that context so, so but what if I f- into Rakdos there you go Jump. with Riot look at that <laughs> just give him Riot and it looks better <laughs> I mean uh, what what if we uh, we threw in Helm of the Host though you know, and then we start getting to that area where we start making yes. multiple rectos. We, we add like nine mana of stuff onto him. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. Give him a GTA. If he's holding a GTA, yeah. he's looking pretty fearsome. They, they just need to reprint Crack's thumb. That's what we really need. Yep. <laughs> this would be such a pain on like a paper tournament. <laughs> like, yeah. Seems like, See, like someone's someone gonna be that guy that flips the coin and it falls off the table. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, I gotta flip it again. Can you imagine? <laughs> Does it count? Can you imagine your opponent's like, all right, editor, like, march multitudes for 20, and you're like, haha, <laughs> Rakdos, <laughs> get, get out your quarter. <laughs> I might have a shot here. Uh, wait, how does whose time does it take when, when coins are flipping? Oh no, Is that your oh no, their ability. I didn't think about that. Hopefully, how will this work? I will say this is uh, we have a new way of grading cards, which is arena animations, and I'm expecting that this to be like the top of the line best animation from Ravnica Allegiance on Arena. It has to be the show. It's gotta be. It's gotta literally shop. Hopefully, it also is the clock stopper, so you don't time out while you're flipping your coins. (laughs) Rectos the clock stopper. Can you imagine timing out because your opponent just had a full board? You know what I really like want to see? Too. You know that animation when you play, like when you play Galta or something like, or Carnage Town, he like pops out of the card. I want to see them pop out of the card, flip a coin. Like I just want to see Rakdos wink. And sees what happens. <laughs> like, like the coin will have Rakdos's face, and he'll just wink each time it's heads or something. <laughs> like, <or> like. <laughs> All right, we've hyped it up. If it's a bad animation, we won't forgive the arena team. All right, we have Tesa Karlov, two white and a black, two four, legendary creature, human advisor. If a creature dying causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. 
Creature tokens you control have vigilance and lifelink. It's it's Seth, first Panervonicon. <laughs> I asked for this like a couple of podcasts ago. We were talking about cards that we wanted, and reverse Panervonicon was one of the cards I wanted. So I I am unreasonably excited for this card. It is going to be so much fun to build around. Um, it's not as good as Panervonicon because one of the things that made Panervonicon so much fun is it was colorless, so you could play so many different versions of Panervonicon. Being in two specific colors does limit the number of decks that can play together but you could do some really fun things with that. I haven't found any I win the game combos yet, but you can definitely get a lot of value taking advantage of death triggers. In standard, you have uh, Afterlife, which is an easy way to get more tokens mm-hmm. out of it. Plus, you have like Judith, uh, the random archer thing that people play on Arena for some reason that I've never seen anyone play anyone else. Uh, <laughs> what Do you know the name of that card? You must know it, Grim. The... <laughs> Which, because Judith is is not archer. No, there's also there's card. also an archer that like triggers when something dies. That's like a four mana Golgari card, I think. Oh, oh, um, uh, poison tip, poison, yes, yeah, poison yes. tip archer. Uh, you have stuff like that where you can double up the death triggers, and uh, importantly, it triggers off any uh it triggers off death causing anything to trigger so you can have like artifacts or enchantments that do something when creatures die in modern you have like revel arc is a cool way to take advantage of tisa with its evoke trigger trigger which is technically a death trigger if it goes to your graveyard so i'm really excited for the possibilities of tisa although i haven't figured out the best way to abuse it yet i mean i i I think it's uh (laughs) the only applications i like from this are with afterlife um, although you, there, there are definitely a lot of things dying that you would like to trigger twice. This one specifically, I just, I can't wait to see Afterlife because it's still one of my favorite, uh, mechanics and I'd like to just make a ton of tokens. I, I just want a Zulaport Cutthroat Tesa and that's it. I mean, <laughs> that, that's as wild as I'm going to get. It's also legendary, Richard. So you have your commander yeah. applications. Like it seems like a fun I, I build feel, around commander card. It's the card that everyone will kill you as soon as they see in your command zone. They're like, <laughs> there's a Tesa there. He's made two tokens. Kill him right now. Actually, right? Like we don't know what could happen. Like he's already got two tokens. Kill him. <laughs> right? Like <laughs> I think that's prime speaker. Actually, I think if you see someone with prime speakers or commander, you got to assume you just have to kill them immediately. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last up, last up of our legendaries, uh, we have Judith the Scourge Diva, one black and a red, two two, legendary creature, human shaman. Other creatures you control get plus one plus zero. Whenever a non-token creature you control dies, Judith deals one damage to any target. I I I really like this card. <laughs> I really like this card in standard, just mostly because it it pumps the rest of your team. I don't I don't know if there's going to be an aristocrats deck, but I sure as heck want one. Yeah, <laughs> and it would be in Mardu. <sighs> Unfortunately, like it's worse with aristocrats than I want it to be. I think because of the non-token clause for creatures dying, so you can't use your afterlife cards to like double up or triple up your death triggers too easily. But it seems like a powerful card just like pumping your team and then even if this is just like wrath and removal protection if your opponent kills your board you're gonna get a bunch of these pinging triggers seems like a pretty good card in that context and definitely worth mentioning that it can hit creatures which is a pretty interesting upside over blood artists and zulaport cutthroats and whatnot you can actually use this as removal on your opponent's creatures uh if you manage to sacrifice your own board or something yep the only bummer i have like only down like the downside for me is that it's legendary. 
I wish I could like have multiple of these. Like multiple of these would be pretty sweet. It makes it a lot worse for aristocrats. That's for sure. Don't yeah. sleep on just playing this fairly as an anthem effect. Like if you take today's mono red decks and you just throw this thing in, uh, suddenly those, uh, those those goblin tokens look a little scarier. Uh, your chain rollers are bigger. Like your uh, Gitu lava mancers are bigger. Like it actually does things. And if your opponent rats, they just take a whole bunch of damage. So in a, just a fair application, I think Judith is actually pretty decent as well, depending on what Rakdos cards we get. Yeah. As Seth said, just it dealing one damage to any target is really good. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Spawn of Mayhem. Two black black, four four, creature demon, spectacle, one black black. Flying Trample, at the beginning of your upkeep, Spawn of Mayhem deals one damage to each player. Then if you have 10 or less life, put a plus one, plus one counter on Spawn of Mayhem. I'm, go, go ahead. I, I, I want to like this. Uh, I think I think this is a good card. I think it's definitely a powerful card. Uh, I'm not really sure about it being mythic. I was in a big debate on Reddit uh, this past week over whether this card should be mythic or not. Uh, I don't know if it really feels mythic to me, but it feels like a card that's pretty good for standard. Like, if you're playing Rakdos or some sort of aggro deck and you're playing this for three mana, a 4-4 Flying Trample with upside for three mana... That's a that's a legitimate card. It dodges lightning strikes. It does die to lava coil, but I feel like this could end up being a pretty good threat for black X aggro decks in standard. That's kind of just my thing with the card. I'm not really sure where it goes. <laughs> like it 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 for me it's uh I I really like the card itself, uh but I just I I want to play a demon deck. That's all that's all like the first thing I saw. <laughs> I saw no other applications other than hey, I can make a Liliana's contract deck. This will be fun. <laughs> We're still a little light on demons. There's like seven yeah. I think in standard if you play like the bad common ones that you probably shouldn't play in standard, but we're getting closer. Like there's almost enough demons to make Liliana's contract work, I think. Yeah. All That's right. about it. I mean, I like if you get to spectacle cast this though, um it is really good and it does pay for, it does make it so that, you know, if you get spectacle for like the rest like as long as it's on the board, the beginning of your upkeep. Yeah. You guys missed the most important part of this card. He has a club hand. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like it's like a cast or something with spikes on it. And he's just coming at you as a 3 mana 4/4 four, four flying trample deals one damage and upkeep and when you're low enough, I guess, plus one, plus one. Like, what more do you want out of a card, guys? He's, like, so full of stuff. Like, any Rakdos deck will be able to cast him as a three-mana 4-4 four, four flying trample. Like, that's good enough as is. And then every turn they don't deal with him, he pings you some more. And then you get plus one, plus one counters. Like, what? He, he just keeps hitting you He's with that club hand. <laughs> Sometimes he swings the club hand and, like, hits himself, okay? Like, he takes a little damage. <laughs> What's hilarious is his other his other hand is like a rapier-looking sword, like some finesse precision weapon, and then this hand is like a giant club. Oh, maybe the maybe the sword is to like poke you for one each shirt, and then the club is to like attack you for four. <laughs> I, I love that the club is the one that hits you for four, not the sword. <laughs> With 
three mana four four flying trample. Like what? Yeah, those those it's are so good. the stats are the stats are really solid, and that's I think enough on its own that it'll be good. Even discounting like jankier options like Liliana's contract and the fun stuff we want to do with it. Just a three mana four floor with flying and trample. That's those are good stats. All right. Next up, we have Sphinx of Foresight. Two blue blue. 4-4 four, four, Creature Sphinx. You may reveal this card from your opening hand. If you do, scry 3 at the beginning of your first upkeep. Flying at the beginning of your upkeep, scry 1. Why do people like this card? Bulk. I don't get it. I don't. I, do people like this? I, I think this is just kind of bulk for me. I heard some people saying what? it was literally bulk? like the Not best card in the set. And like it was going to change modern, it's going to change legacy, you can cut lands from your deck and just scry for the lands you need, and... That's a, I, I, it's a 4-4. Four, four. Like, didn't we have a 4-4 four, four for 4 that, that, like, an Amonkhet that was, like, kind of semi-playable in a cycling deck or something? I... Well, it, it didn't immediately. You'd had, you had to cycle to scry, I think, right? Yeah, yes. You had to cycle to scry. But is, is scry 3 at your upkeep? Is that worth anything? Are you gonna play a subpar creature in your deck so you can scry 3? Three on your upkeep if it's in your opening hand. <laughs> you scry it away after you <laughs> after you've drawn it. You, but I, you have to scry. You only get to scry on your first or scry three on your first upkeep. Yeah, I, on your first upkeep. So at the beginning, you, so it's interesting because it's the like what is that cycle? Like the old cycle where if it's in your uh, hand, chancellor's the chancellor cycle, right? So we haven't had this mechanic where you reveal this card and you scry three at the beginning of your first upkeep. Now, if we say a scry is worth half of a card. <laughs> That's 1.5 cards on your first upkeep <laughs> for playing this, right? So maybe? I mean, four I have to four, mulligan four, for it? Wait, why do you I have don't, to mulligan I don't know. for it? I wouldn't mulligan for this, to be <laughs> honest with you, because then I'm like holding onto a four mana four four. I mean, that's not hope- bad. It's not like you're play- you're holding a six drop or something, right? Like it's playable and on curve. Like it's not that bad. No, I guess. Uh, it's not that. Bad. That's a good description <laughs> of things of foresight. It's not that bad. <laughs> so I guess when you're looking in a world of Drakes where they're like three mana, like fifteen fours, <laughs> four mana four four may not be up to par, but it's definitely I, not up to par. I, I, think- I feel it's not so bad that it's bulk, but it's not like the greatest. thing. Thing. <laughs> like people are making it out to be <laughs> there. It's just like possibly playable. I think if there's a if there's a home for it in standard, it's probably the mono blue tempo deck where you you've got to have curious obsession. Like that is a hundred percent how that deck works. If you have curious obsession, you are playing like the best deck in standard. And if you don't have curious obsession, you're playing one ones for one, which is pretty uh, pathetic. You're playing a sick draft. So deck. yeah, uh, like well, medium draft deck, I would say, <laughs> without curious obsession. Um, <laughs> but Sphinx is a good way to dig for your curious obsessions, or maybe to like cut an extra land from the deck to help you draw more action after you're drawing with Curious Obsession and it's not horrible in that deck. Like, it it fits the theme of flying blue creatures. So if it has a chance to do something in standard right away, that seems like the best bet for me. Yeah. Alright, what if you just play this in a jumpstart deck? (laughs) Could you imagine if you have all four and you could just cry 12? That's like, how much is that? How many? That's like, you get two opening hands, right, Richard? (laughs) What you do is cry three, keep three on top. (laughs) And then cry at the <laughs> remaining three scry trees that do nothing. <laughs> that will be my luck. That will be my luck. Started with 14 yes, cards. It's like if a scry is half a card. 
<laughs> I bet you someone's gonna get that wrong. Someone's gonna pick up twelve cards and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> "Oh God!" All right. Next up, we have <laughs> Pestilent Spirit. Two in the black, three two creature spirit. Menace death touch. Instant and sorcery spells you have or you control have death touch. Such a unique creature. I love this card. It's so unique. What do you like about it, Grim? E- exactly, just because of that. Like the fact that you can give like it. It's unique. It's cool. I love it from the design point of it. It's just giving your instants and sorceries death touch. That's so cool. Uh, I mean, I I, <laughs> I did make a tweet about this card and. Uh, like, what is it? Uh, Call of the Carnarium. Uh, but like, <laughs> the Call of the Carnarium doesn't work with this, by the way. It's a minus minus. It's just, I like those two cards separately. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, like this card just from a design space is just interesting to me. So, uh, it makes like things like electricery and all that other stuff into a plague wind as you read online. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> definitely super sweet. And there's some in standard, like, Cosmolic Wave or something like that. It's like four mana. Yeah, Cosmotronic yeah, 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 Wave. Yeah. Does one damage. I know because of rats. <laughs> that is the rat hate for Singleton. Uh, yeah, so it seems <laughs> it seems good for that. Also, like a more practical application of this card is you're playing like Rakdos Aggro in Standard, and you have a hard time dealing with big creatures. You want to have like lightning strikes and shocks as your removal, so you can go face. And this gives you a way to like shock a Doom Whisperer or a Lyra or something that would be ruining your day. So that might be the more, I don't know, a normal application is just turning your little burn spells that you want to be playing anyway into ways to kill big creatures that would otherwise probably beat you. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much like what I was thinking, like Shivan Fires and Shocks towards like big, I don't know, potentially new big uh, Grohl threats and all this other stuff blocking the way like Lyra. Yeah, this reminds me of uh, what, what is the what is the one drop Soul Scar Mage? It reminds me of Soul Soul Scar Mage in the sense that it makes your little burn spells more effective. So you use it to uh, use your shocks to kill big green creatures that you can't deal with. And I think you would do that more than jam like electricery and other bad cards into your deck, hoping to <laughs> <laughs> hoping to get the plague wind off. Like I, the only way I see that working is if we have a split card that does something like that, where the one half of the split card is something playable, like a lava coil type effect, and then the other is like electricery. Uh, that would be nuts with pestilent spirit. But I, I don't think you should be jamming random bad. AOE spells in for this, but it'll, it'll just make like your yeah. shocks and lightning strike like more legitimate. The other thing worth mentioning with this card is the stats aren't bad. I mean, three two menace death uh, death touch for three is not that bad, and death touch is sneakily powerful in a world of carnage tyrant. This is like if you're playing little Rakdos creatures, this is actually your removal spell for carnage tyrant too, since you can actually block it and get it off the battlefield. Well, it means you're killing two creatures if they block, right? Which is actually pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, they'd also have to double block this because this is Menace, and I really like that. All right. Next up, Kaya's Wrath. Yes. Yes. White, white, black, black. Destroy all creatures. You gain life equal number of creatures you control that were destroyed this way. (laughs) Yes. I mean, the mana cost is kind kind of absurd on this one, but oh my gosh. I love, I love this card. It's a four mana board wipe, and you gain life equal to the number of the creatures you can, tr- of of creatures you control that were destroyed this way, right? Yeah. So like partial fumigate. So only if you yeah. have creatures do you gain life. But it is, 
a four mana wrath. Yeah. I like the idea of a four mana wrath. I don't, like, the cost is a little scary. That's what's pushing me away from this card <laughs> a little bit, but I still love the card. <laughs> I think, like, the cost is restrictive, and it limits the number of decks that you can play in it, but we've had, like, Supreme Verdict. This is slightly more restrictive than Supreme Verdict, but Supreme Verdict was really good. So I think you have to be, like, heavy into white and black, but I think Esper Control can easily take advantage of Kaya's Wrath, and it'll probably be good. Maybe we can see some sort of, like, Abzan Control or mid-range deck with all the good green-black Planeswalkers in the format. So I think, like, you got to be in the right deck, but in the right deck, this card is so huge. And I think, in some ways, it's only fair. Like, Aggro got Llanowar Elves after Wizards said, oh, we're not doing one-drop Mana Dorks anymore. So I think it's fair that slower decks also have a four-mana Wrath to, like, help keep up with what's looking like a lot of aggressive like Rakdos is aggressive the Gruul aggressive cards are really scary and we already have good aggressive decks from Ravnica Legion or from Guilds of Ravnica standard so I feel like having a four mana Wrath is actually going to be really important to the format yeah I, I feel this is a really good card but I think people think it's better than it is because it doesn't go in the decks you kind of typically want four mana Wrath like if you're thinking Esper Control it gets really awkward if you're trying to do a blue blue one counter spell and then on the next turn do a white white black black wrath so it becomes very difficult to to pull these things off uh but even if you don't and you miss by a turn like five mana wrath is still perfectly playable right so it, it is going to be good but like you can't splash it like say if it was actually wrath of god it would be absurd because it goes in basically every deck but now you got to be basically orzov based and like if you're playing heavily i don't know if you're playing absent you probably don't want wraths just randomly right like so it's gonna be a very special deck like maybe some kind of orzov control or uh mardu control something like that but i like it's not gonna go into esper it's not you're gonna have to work really hard to make it work i mean we also have 10 shock land so i don't i don't think it'll be that bad in a three color deck obviously you can't just play in every deck like you could a wrath of god but i don't think it's gonna be that daunting to play it in like a three color control deck it has to be two splash one like two color splash one right but if you're trying to do blue blue colorless counterspell the turn before like i think you're gonna have a hard time <laughs> just play but if you're playing like negates and essence scatters then okay uh, you just, got like, you got 12 right? shocks and 12 check lands life is perfect <laughs> seth starts the game at 10 life <laughs> <laughs> just like modern oh, like, it's fine it's fine <laughs> seems like a good idea <laughs> oh what if, they, I, what if they reprinted death shadow or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it'd be good still <laughs> Death Shadow would be pretty bad in standard. Uh, all right. La last up, we, we got to throw in a janky card. We got to throw in a janky card. Verity Circle, my, my personal favorite of the batch here. Two and a blue. <laughs> Whenever a creature and opponent control becomes tapped, if it isn't being declared as an attacker, you may draw a card. Four and a blue. Tap target creature without flying. What, why, why is this? Why is no this your chance card? In standard. No chance in standard. Uh, but in Commander, it is like a Mystic Remora or something. Like, you're going to draw so many cards off this thing as you go around the turn, and people are using their mana dorks, their utility creatures, uh, convoking, things like that. But the, the special thing is if someone goes infinite by tapping creatures, 
you get to infinitely draw cards. And hopefully, as you infinitely draw cards, you get an answer to break their infinite loop. So I'm, I'm <laughs> excited for say. that. I'm excited for that. I really... No, no standard playability. <laughs> Seth, I need you to break this card on against the odds. I, what do we do with we, it? <laughs> there are some things that make it kind of cute in standard. Because uh, standard is a creature base format. So most decks are playing creatures, which is kind of step one. Like, at first I was like, oh, I really want to try this in modern. Because you can, like, cryptic command, tap all your opponent's stuff, draw, like, five cards, draw another cryptic or, like, a snapcaster for a cryptic, and just do that every turn. <laughs> but the problem in modern is some decks just don't really play creatures, which is kind of the drawback. In standard, you have stuff like Merfolk Trickster, which all of a sudden is, like, even better, but most exciting are cards like Sleep, which just mass taps everything and is going to draw you a bunch of cards, and there's also a 4-drop Merfolk, which I, uh, Storm Tamer, Storm Caller, something like that, that does the same thing. It taps Mm. all of your opponent's creatures when it enters the battlefield, so that might be the way to go with this. It's right on curve. You, like, play this on three, untap turn four, sleep your opponent, fog them, draw, like, four cards, and just try to keep doing that and draw a bunch of cards throughout the game <laughs> like a prison deck yeah mono mono blue tap prison something something like that yeah <laughs> wait is icy manipulator oh there icy is still <laughs> yeah, in the format yeah. oh. and tricksters in the oh, format so oh, these bad combos where the end result is you just draw <laughs> uh well if your opponent time march, of ice march of multitudes you draw a bunch of cards, they attack, you settle the wreckage to, to stop all those creatures from killing you. It does you it does hate on Convoke. And also, like, Llanowar Elves type effects, like, tapping your Llanowar Elves is a little bit worse if your opponent gets to draw cards when you do it, so... To be honest with you, if they have a Llanowar Elf on one, and then you play this on three, <laughs> it doesn't really feel like either one card is... Is helping you catch yourself back yeah, they, in. They back probably up already have a game. planeswalker that can blow it up by that point. <laughs> yeah. All right, verify Verity Circle. All right, cool. Vivian Reed, <laughs> not blow up your thing. Just keep digging. Yeah. <laughs> Don't care about it. Who cares? <laughs> it's disrespect. It's also pay pay five, draw a card, and I mean, as we've seen on Commander Clash, I've paid way more than that to draw a single card. So. So it's not, not the five. <laughs> you gotta pay eight. <laughs> you have to pay eight to draw a card. I've definitely declined drawing cards, so maybe that's why this is. <laughs> All right, we we've gone through a lot of spoilers. Any other cards you guys are excited about that you want to talk about? Because we we left out a ton of mythics. Still, they, wizards just piled it on us this week. Quench. <laughs> oh, do you like that? It's, yeah, it's, it's a bad I, mana I, leak. I, I mean, a bad mana leak is still better, right? Because like revolutionary rebuff, I played a few of those and. It wasn't great because of the whole drawback of artifacts, um, but this one without that drawback, I think I think Quench could be pretty good. I like it. Making your turn two plays into turn four plays, uh, this is going to be real good if I'm on the play. <laughs> and I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I like I like this. I like Rhythm of Savagery. Like this whole set so far, I've been kind of in love with the uncommons and the commons yeah the set it seems really strong at lower rarity too and uh, i'm happy because Re- uh, guilds of ravnica was pretty strong as well so i think the guilds from ravnica allegiance are going to be strong enough to keep up hopefully and really shake up standard 
the other card I want to mention quickly is one of my, the cards I'm most excited to build around is Electro Dominance, which is uh, two red and X, at instant speed, X damage to any target, and you can cast a card with converted mana cost X or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. Uh, this is a card that I think it's fine in standard. Like, one of the downsides of Banefire is you kind of spend your entire turn killing something and you don't get to advance your board. With this, for one additional mana, you get to kill something and put something into play, which is sweet. But what I'm really excited about is, in modern, this is just pay two red mana, cast a Ancestral Visions, Restore Balance, Living End, Wheel of Fate, any of the no mana cost cards from your hand. So I really think that having, like, we've already seen as foretold builds of, like, Living End and Restore Balance show up, but they suffer from the fact that you only have as foretold to cheat your cards into play, which means if you don't draw your as foretold, it gets a little awkward. With Electro Dominance and as foretold, odds are, like, in favor of you having your Restore Balance, Living End, whatever, by turn three, because you're going to have enough redundancy with both of those cards. So I'm really excited to see if that will actually work in Modern. Are you, are you not excited for Wilderness Reclamation? That's a card that I think people are overrating. I think it's really good in, in specific decks, uh, especially, especially Nexus of Fate decks, which I'm sure everyone wants to, uh, to get better. <laughs> um, so I think it's really good in Nexus of Fate decks and also probably some sort of like Bant Addendum style deck where you can double up your spells and have a lot of instants. But I, I think people are overrating just untapping your lands in the average deck. So I think it's a, a card that like 10% of decks will want or something, but in those decks, it's going to be really busted. Yep. I, it I'm takes a while liking, to get uh, back. What, it's the split card, Canonize. I think it's the Orzov split card, the one where the, the front half is an exile of target card from a graveyard then draw a card, but the other, the other side is Consume, I think. And yeah, target player sacrifices a creature with the greatest power among creatures they control, and you gain life equal to the creature's power. Mm. Carnage Tyrant answer. Which side, which side do you like? You like, you like the consume side to kill Carnage Tyrant? Is yep, that... yep. Really, really, I just want the <laughs> I, other I, I side. That. <laughs> consume so here's side. how we evaluate spoilers. So Seth evaluates whether it works with Panamonicon. <laughs> Krim evaluates whether it can kill a Carnage Tyrant. And I evaluate whether it has any value in a janky EU game. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Together, I, I we form like Voltron. One day, a Carnage Tyrant took Krim out back and did terrible <laughs> things to him because he has a really <laughs> big grudge against this innocent <laughs> dinosaur who's just trying to do his job in standard. <laughs> wake up in fear that Carnage Tyrant's just going to be hovering over me. Like, wake up in fear of like tiny T-Rex arms like hitting you. Like. <laughs> And and I yeah like I, I I love that card in Bella of the Carnarium. All it's the uh, all creatures get minus two minus two until end of turn. Exile all creatures from all graveyards that were put there this turn. And if a creature would die this turn, exile it instead. Oh yeah, it's so it's basically. Uh, oh no. I'm blanking on the card name. What are you trying to exile that? Uh, Flaying Tendrils? Yeah, it's like Flaying Tendrils. Or what's the one we have in standard currently that doesn't exile? Golden Demise. It's it's like a Golden Demise that gets rid of Arclight Phoenixes forever, pretty much. Oh, an Afterlife? We don't know how how much Afterlife is going to matter, but I mean... And like, if a creature would die this turn, exile it instead, which means that you can also use it on other things, like bigger things. Like if I just go, all right, well, I'm going to, I don't know, cast down... (laughs) <laughs> something random of yours it also gets exiled right it's definitely a big upside i think uh for our cur- yeah. i think i would rather play this single demise in our current format 100 percent. i don't i mean like 
I don't mind if I give myself minus two. I, if my yeah. stuff gets minus I mean, two, minus two. It turns two. off Tasa, Judith. It turns off all those death triggers, right? So, yeah, that's that's the upside. And it keeps keeps gutter bones in check. Yeah, <laughs> old gutter bones already getting hated out. <laughs> Which I, might I actually be needed. That hard. <laughs> it, it's a skeleton, Richard. Look at it. Look it's at a it. zombie. It's a zombie. <laughs> it, it behaves like a zombie. They should be different. It, it's definitely a skeleton. <laughs> I think so. I I think that skeletons go back to your hand, and zombies go to the battlefield. Maybe I just made that up, no, and that's not true. No, you just made that up. Skeletons <laughs> yeah. regenerate. That's what they do. Well, we don't have regenerate anymore. It's not like regenerating. Yeah, but this the, this just literally is like grave crawler or something, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it is. A one mana two one that enters a battlefield tapped is not a skeleton. <laughs> I refuse this to acknowledge this. This does not exist. <laughs> Death Baron's gonna make this a powerhouse. Oh. Dredge has got a new toy, right? Like every. <laughs> Every every uh, comment on every spoiler, just Dredge has got a new toy. <laughs> it, it, it should be like if a creature regenerated this turn, return it to the battlefield. <laughs> like that's what it should be. <laughs> then you're like, that's a skeleton card, useless, but a skeleton card nonetheless. <laughs> uh, all right, are we are we done with our spoiler section? Is it time for some fish mail on the way out the door today? It is time for fish mail. So we still have another week of spoilers. So next week we'll be back with more spoilers. And then the set releases the end of the month? Uh, yes, pre-release June is the... 25th? I think that's and the release. Pre-release a week before? Pre-release, yes, yeah. yes, yes, is the 19th, and then set release is the 25th. Yeah, so we're two weeks away from pre-release, and uh, we're, we're going to test how playable the Sphinx is. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the Sphinx is overpowered and limited, Yeah. <laughs> It's good, yeah. We found a hole for it's, him. It's good, he's and, good limited. and limited, but that's because it's a four four. Not Are people you really saying he's playable in modern and legacy? That's someone bit, on that's Star City much. Games wrote an article about how it was like the best card in the set, and it was going to change legacy and modern. And yeah, that seemed a little, little over the top. <laughs> I wonder, like, how many pregame effects can you stack at once? Like, you have the the lay lines, the lucky counter, the ley lines, the chancellors, the sphinx. <laughs> just just play them all together and hope for the hope for the best. Yeah, and then you you play for like five minutes before the first turn started. <laughs> That'd be great. But you're also at like two cards in <laughs> you're, hand, you're and they're probably I'm like I'm done. I'm out. I'm out of gas. It's turn one. I'm out of gas, guys. That's <laughs> <laughs> super card disadvantage. All right. Well, uh, actually, no, because then the Sphinx balances it out, right? <laughs> yep, yep. All right. Fishmail. If you have questions, send it to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Sebastian Tans, do you guys think Primeval Titan should be banned in Commander? Um, Probably, yeah. I mean, the Commander ban list is so weird, and I don't really understand the rhyme or reason of it, but Primeval Titan getting any two lands... It could set up some pretty busted uh, synergies. Yeah, I mean that that just seems kind of ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> pulling things just like the whatever Temple of the False Gods is already too much for me. 
<laughs> and it's too uh, much. You're probably not prime prime timing a temple of the false gods out. <laughs> no, I you're not. Like, but the thing is, you can you can get anything. I, like I, I like I sort of say, like temple of the false gods is already too much, and all the lands that are in EDH are even more absurd. <laughs> so I definitely don't want them to get those. I think it's dumb. I feel like it shouldn't be banned. Like I, when we have things like uh, survival of the fittest in the format. Like we we have all these cars that are auto includes and in all the colors anyway. Like I don't know why Primeval Titan needs to get picked on. Like you, you have cars that you always play in green anyway. So like Prime Time can be one of those, right? And it, it lets you tutor up lands, which is pretty cool. And if you don't like that, you can just counterspell Prime Time on the way down. <laughs> like I I don't know. I feel there's no rhyme or reason, and I feel like the ban list that we have is for a specific play group. And, you know, I can understand why a playgroup would want this ban list, but to apply it to everyone, like, I don't know, Primetime's not that broken. I mean, if it's playable in <laughs> modern, like, why is it banned in Commander? Like, I have no idea. I mean, I do, I agree with, I agree with the overall sentiment of that, because, I mean, anything that's banned with Soul Ring being legal doesn't make sense to me. Like, it's literally the best card in the entire format. <laughs> and, and if, so if Soul Ring is okay, it's hard to argue that anything else is not. Oh, what's what's the blue what's the blue reserve list card that's legal? Oh, uh, time <laughs> twister. Yeah, you're just like, why are these cards legal, but like prime time not? <laughs> like, or every time we play survival of the fittest, guy is cradle. We're like, huh, okay, <laughs> sure, <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> um, next question. M. Keenard, did Watsi miss an opportunity with a standard to print a challenger deck? If they had, what should have been in the challenger deck? Um, well, I think Challenger decks, I would expect them to come again this standard, but I expect, like last year, that we'll see them a few months before rotation. I think that's how Watsi views the Challenger decks, is a way to get some more value out of cards, like, six-ish months before they rotate, rather than right when a new standard format comes out. So I think we will still get them. I would expect to see lots of the best cards from Dominaria through Ixalan block. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Teferi in a Challenger deck, but I don't think it'll happen until, like, four to six months before rotation. So, like, next spring towards the start of summer, basically. Mm, Teferi's modern playable. Do you think they'd put him in a Challenger They deck? put Chandra in. Chandra's modern yeah. playable. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, next question. Ring White. If all Planeswalkers could be commanders, which one would be the best? Um... Hmm. I mean, I, I would just go with Teferi, right? I mean, it could tuck any... Like, the five-mana <laughs> one, you could tuck anything. That's the Teferi's instant death. He cannot protect himself. <laughs> you tuck something, and then everyone else kills it. I think... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's got to be something with green in its colors because of doubling season. Because that's like the most busted thing you can do in Commander is doubling season. But I'm not sure what yeah. green X Planeswalker... Like, what is? are there any that just straight up win you the game that are in green? And I can't think of one off the top. Maybe like a the uh, Kiora that makes eight eight octopuses <laughs> that you could just keep doing that, uh, making octopuses or something. Uh, but it's... Does she it's ult gotta them? be a green one. D does she ult as soon as she come down? Comes down mm. though. Doubling season. Cause she starts at two, right? And it ults at five. Let me see. Does she not ultimate? Yeah, like it, it's crashing wave. Oh, right? You're right. Crashing wave does not. That gets an emblem where you make one. Uh, Kiora Master of Depths gives you three eight eight octopuses and does ultimate right away. Oh. But I think I forgot there was. Yeah, that. there's there's a few. <laughs> 
Hmm. I don't know. What do you think, Richard? I feel it's got to be a cheap planeswalker so that you can, like, cast them several times. But I like, like, say, an Ugin, where you just have a Wrath ready to go <laughs> in your in your command zone at any time. But colorless control deck is a bit awkward. Um, none of the, like... Party Jace? <laughs> Everyone loves Party Jace. They're not going to kill him. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I think you, you are right, though, Seth. It's going to be a green planeswalker that goes with doubling season. Yeah, I just can't think of the best one at the moment. I'm, like, frantically searching through green planeswalkers to find one that just wins the game, and I... And I don't. Maybe, maybe Veraska Relic Seeker is not bad. Just put someone to one right away. Is in. Oh, oh, it's a. It's probably it's probably Tamio Field Researcher, because you just get immediate draw three plus omniscience for the rest of the game. Mm. That that is good. Uh, all right, next question. Uh, wanna be Beard Bros? If Watsi lifted the Banhammer in Modern, let it go wild. Do you think any of the old decks can be just as strong as the current meta? So if they got rid of the modern ban list, would any of the old decks be as strong? Yeah, don't don't we have some really absurd broken combo decks? Uh yeah, Storm would be pretty busted with no ban <laughs> list. Uh Infect would get a lot better. Yeah, Blazing Shoal comes yeah, back, the, right? Yeah, the turn 2 Blazing Shoal Infect deck would be a thing again. Uh, Skull Clamp is one of the scariest cards, or like original affinity with all the artifact lands. I think both both of those decks would be pretty absurd. Oh, and you can yeah. actually get like the stores run no bandless modern from time to time, so the results of those kind of indicate what the top decks would be. So if you just actually pull up those old deck lists, you can actually kind of see uh, where we mix kind of the old decks with the new decks. And spoiler alert: they're mostly old decks that win. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that so- sounds pretty hard <laughs> to, like, live past turn three. All right, last question. Man Sears Legros. Support, Outlast, Bolster, Adapt, Monstrous, Explore, Riot. No one finds them interesting or exciting. Are plus one, plus one counters the peak of lazy design? I find some of those pretty exciting. <laughs> uh, Monstrous, exciting. Riot, exciting. Explore, kind of exciting. Bolster, Um, players love plus one plus one counters though like maybe it's like sort of lazy to some extent but I also think like there's a lot of people that that's one of their favorite themes so I think it's also wizards trying to like meet expectations and give players what they want I think especially new players love plus one plus one counter themes so I feel they like monstrous and adapt like players love putting a bunch of plus one plus one counters but putting one is weak and that's why we don't like bolster or support or outlast right but when you can dump like 20 counters with the monstrous trigger or something you're like yeah i did something so i feel like it's the quantity of plus one plus one counters that matters yeah i think i mean i think that might be that might be correct that more counters is better than smaller numbers Eh, i don't know i think you remember back in the day we had like other counters like we had like (laughs) did we have like plus two plus two counters we had some weird There counters, used to be which they've gone that, away there's from. like plus two negative one like counters <laughs> and <laughs> and all kinds of random numbers. They don't do that anymore. Yeah, we need we need to bring that back. Or a, I, I like a vampire did counters, that, right? Like ice counters. We still like we that. still occasionally get we get those occasionally. We got brick we got brick counters. Yeah, and we got today. growth counters. I think on Simic Ascendancy. So we still occasionally get unique counters, but 
Yeah, we don't get more anything except plus one, plus one counters, which is actually probably good. I think it would be super confusing to have some counters that were plus one, plus one, and some that were other numbers. Like, that would be very hard to keep track of. It, it would totally vindicate the people that use coins as counters. <laughs> They're like, a penny's a plus one, plus one counter, a nickel's a plus five, plus five. <laughs> Oh like it God. was, it was an old vampire card, right? That did that, like added Baron. Well, that was one of them. Like, I think Bar- does Baron Sengir do that? No, Baron Sengir does not do that. Mm. But but I I know that there was an older vampire that added like specifically like a two two. Oh, it actually or does right? when. When a creature dealt damage by Baron Sanger dies, put a plus two, plus two counter on it. <laughs> oh, I thought you guys were talking about plus two, minus one. Oh, yeah. I don't know what does that. No, yeah, Baron no, Sanger yeah, was just like a, a jack. Just two one one counters. I'm just happy that it went with that instead of plus adding a plus two, plus two counter. It, it, it makes, uh, what's what's the fake doubling season? The one that gives you an additional counter? Ooh, Harden Scales? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So then you, you get plus four, plus four. <laughs> but it was two plus one plus one counters. You only get plus three, plus three. You see, there, there's advantages to that plus two, plus two counter. That, that is, uh, that is correct. I, I'm that actually curious correct. if Moto works. I actually want to just build a deck with this stuff to see if it actually works. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I've gotten it on on Momir before, and I think it does work. But it's been a while, so you never know. <laughs> All right, that's all our fish mail. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. You can send them to at MTG Goldfish with our hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, and I think that brings us to the end of episode 205 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening, and uh, thanks for, uh, to Adult Swim for supporting the show today. You can check out Tig Tone over on Adult Swim January 13th at midnight. So thank you to them. Anyway, everyone, have a wonderful week. We'll be back next week with the full Ravnica Allegiance set. Until then, this is Sakaru signing out. 